Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Show, where we talk with some of the world's most forward-thinking, influential CEOs and other top business leaders to learn about leadership experiences and how they're building world-class organizations. Brought to you by Warrior Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spence Taylor. All right, well, welcome. I'm very pleased to have as my guest today, Andy Niska, who's the president of Love and Home Senior Care. Andy, thank you for taking time with me. I know life is busy and you're just going at a million miles an hour, but I'm grateful you'd spend some time with me today. Well, it's a pleasure, Spencer. I appreciate the invitation. I'm excited about our discussion. I, I uh, Before we jump into some of the topics that we've tagged as potential areas of focus, I really would just want to get to know you a bit. I'd love to hear I'll kind of ask a specific question as you as you share a bit about yourself. Uh, if one were to look at your LinkedIn profile, go back a ways, uh, you have quite a bit of experience in pharmaceutical sales, a lot, a lot of sales executive type roles. And now fast forward to present day, here you are as the president of a senior care company. So how does that come about? What is the story behind this? Sure. That's a great question. One that I have to tackle uh, many times. Weekly, it seems like. <laughs> sure. And I'll tell you, when I'm trying to convince a family that my company is going to be a company they can trust, then they want to know who I am. And so we, we talk about that. And uh, what I would typically say is, um, you know, I grew up in the northwest parts of the United States in a family that impressed upon me the need to go to college. I went to college. I got a degree. I, I, I could see, you know. There was some value in doing that, and I mired around in college for a little bit and finally settled on a degree in healthcare administration, and it was a good degree, and I studied healthcare from the administrative side and had an internship my senior year that took me right into a healthcare provider company that also was a, a health maintenance organization, an HMO, and that was my first job upon graduation, and it was well. Uh, managed a, a clinic, you know, about 75 people with about 30 providers, got my feet wet in that career and quickly kind of started to feel like I could see the top end with this company and I wasn't going to be satisfied with that career path. And there were other career paths for me to consider, whether that be hospital administration and, and so forth. But I got tempted by these individuals who would come into the clinic daily seeking to speak with someone in the clinic, preferably a prescriber, but they knew that they had access to me in my office. So they would frequent my office daily. And they were of this type called a pharmaceutical sales rep. And I had no idea what one was and I learned pretty quickly. And I listened to their career and what they were doing. And like I said, I was tempted. And so after a, year, a couple years of healthcare administration at the management level of a, of a clinic, I decided that it might make sense to jump into a different career, and that was pharmaceutical sales. So I did that, and it was a good decision, provided well for my family. We were blessed in many ways, and it was a lengthy career, 16 years, a couple different companies, many therapeutic areas that I sold in, and I had you know, a good margin of success provided well for my family. It had its ups and downs like every career should have or would have and things that I didn't like, things that I did like. But to get to where I'm at today, like the link in your question, I was in my mid to late 40s and looked at my career and I could tell you 
that if I just shampooed, rinsed, and repeated, I would get to retirement and I would be happy and we would be secure and everything would go out, go well. Everything was in place. I just had to continue doing what I was doing. And it was actually, it had gotten to a point where it was pretty simple, but it wasn't as fulfilling. And at that stage of life, I think it might be midlife crisis. There's lots of terms we might call to that stage of life. I just kind of wondered, is this how it all ends? You know, like I felt like the ending of my career and my life and retirement coming, you know, it was more relevant to me at that moment than, than it had been in, in the past. And I just kind of wondered, like, is this, is this enough? You know, it will, it will be all right. Like I said, I just had to continue doing what I was doing and I was going to have a fine life. But I didn't know if I was fulfilled with that. And so that caused me to contemplate things. And there was a pivotal moment that was out of my control. It was a, um, a hostile takeover of the company I was working for. We were a small biotech company, a very large firm, wanted our intelligence, wanted our products, and didn't want much of the sales force or hardly any of the administrative positions of the company that we were. And we had, we had had those takeover kind of challenges come in the past. I didn't really think much about it, but this one, they went right to the board and said, look it, you can't deny that we're going to give you fair price on your stock. And uh, so a company came and took over the company I was with and they looked at um, the sales force and it had nothing to do with your career, your success in the past, who you were, your value to the company, it was really just very black and white. Does the takeover company needs people in certain areas? And so in Spokane, Washington, they didn't need me. They already had reps. They just wanted our products. And, uh, but our company was really good about getting a severance package in place where I was able to purchase the car I was driving. You know, every rep gets a car, you know, from the company. And so, you know, you might be down a car if you lose your job. So there was... There was a lot of things that made it easy to deal with the severance, deal with the loss of employment. And I'll just say that within 30 days, I had another job. But I also had a year's, of se- a year's worth of severance. And I also had you know full medical for my family without any premiums. It was just a great severance. Kind of set me up to look at things differently. One is how secure is any job was a question going through my head, through my mind at that point. Because... I was not in a position where I should have in any way felt vulnerable, but here I was vulnerable. So I looked at all that and really I I made out great the severance and and, and finding a job very quickly. It was a, it was a, a blessing in many ways, but yet nonetheless, it's all kind of culminating at this period of my life where I'm going, is this, where it all goes and where, and can I see the end? And I, am I happy with it? And so ultimately I did, um, a few things. One was, I said, you know, maybe I do want to have my own business or take that challenge on. And, um, what would that look like? What should I look at? And, uh, luckily I had some friends that pointed me towards, um, some things like senior care, And uh, that caused me to look at the 2010 census at this point. This was 2012. I looked at the census and, um, and I looked at my, looked at Spokane, Washington, looked at my region and 
it was pretty easy to, to determine that a business that was serving the elderly aging population or providing a product for that market had opportunities going forward. And the baby boomer population, the silver tsunami, whatever you want to call it, um, all that I became educated on and um, realized that, yeah, maybe there is an opportunity here. And um, maybe my past experiences could suit me well as a business owner in a senior related business. And so I chose care, care for the elderly. So that's, that's a little bit about kind of how I got there. I don't know if I filled in enough detail for you. Absolutely. Great detail. And I, I'm fascinated and just loved what you shared because I, maybe it's just my kind of my analytical brain, but I just uh, am kind of breaking down a few of the component parts of what you shared. There was an internal event, you could say, meaning you just felt this overall question arising in yourself of, is this going to be enough? Is this how it all ends? Kind of a, a sense that you talked about. Then there was an external event that was the hostile takeover that, of course, it, as you put it, was not so hostile in the sense that it was good for you. Like it, it was a good transition. You found another role. But that that uh, created, I guess, kind of a disruption. Um, and then there was uh, the internal response. And I like this piece of the story, especially because it's life. I mean, we have we have things that we're, we wonder about. We have things that happen on the outside. And we ultimately come back to what we choose to do with that. You could have chosen to, again, as you illustrated, just continue on the status quo and it, it would have been fine. But just that, uh, that again, that, that idea or the phrase, I can't remember if that was your exact words or not, but it wasn't as fulfilling and just that wonderment and process of, of exploration. You chose to do something with that instead of just settling in and or continuing to stay settled, I guess you could say, in your career path, even though it would have been with it, it was with a different company. Uh, you could, could have easily done that. So I guess the action piece is really what stands out to me. You got educated. You asked lots of people. Uh, I know just because you're a business owner, you took some risks. And, you know, and you, you disrupted things even further. And it's been over eight years, I think. Is that right? Since you since you did all that. And anyway, I just think it's uh, it's fascinating to reflect on some of those key touch points and ultimately where you are now. I'm, I'm curious if there are ever moments in your path where you're like, I don't know. I guess I'm thinking about this from my own experience. Maybe this is a selfish question, but where it's like, I could have just stayed there, <laughs> but instead I've gotten myself into, again, not to say it's bad now because things are great. You have a thriving organization, but I just know the process of maturing a business is not for the faint of heart that it takes a certain resiliency and an ability to manage risk and, and some of these pieces. So anyway. No, it's a good, good question. I don't know if you asked the question or not, but, but I <laughs> yeah. would like to kind of address it as a question if, it, if you did. And that is that uh, I kind of felt like I could always jump back into pharma mm. all along. Even today, if someone offered me a purchase price for my business and I thought that's enough and I'll walk away, but yet I'm still not ready. I'm not at a point where I'm retiring. I would say, do I want to, do I want to look at pharma again? So I say that because I went through the cycle of success that I think every business owner will go through. Even Jeff Bezos, you know, wasn't successful for, for a while, right? And then there's questions about your security, about your, you know, ability to provide for your home. And what will the future hold? Will this thing ever become successful? And there's a cycle, I feel like. And in that cycle, there's like a valley of despair. 
that business owners can talk to with each other because they've experienced it, where they just don't know that the risk is that you're going to lose your home and you're willing to risk that and your family's willing to move into an apartment because that could happen. And um, yet you pursue without light at the end of the tunnel, without clear pathway to success. And in those moments, you know, and that's usually three to four years before a business owner can just go to sleep at night and get a full night's rest without having at one point in the middle of the night woken up and just kind of thought about the problems or the insecurity that you're living in. And so I went through that. And luckily, I would tell myself in those stressful times, I'm like, you know, if I have to jump back into pharma, it's going to hurt us. We're going to go through some pain, but I think I can always jump back in. Now I have more gray hair and I'm probably not going to say that as much as I did back then and they don't want me, but that helped me get through a lot of the stress that is the unknown of business startups and ventureship where you don't know you you're taking a complete risk. Uh, Interestingly, I walked away from a paycheck. Um, I told my company at the time, which I'd only been with them for a year. I told them, I said, I'm going to open a business. I'm going to do it. January 1st, and this is how it's going to look. They said, Andy, we want you to take care of the accounts. We've got, you've got some great docs that you've cultivated and, and they're, they're doing what we want. So we're going to continue to pay you even despite the fact you're going to open up your business. And I don't, we don't expect you to give hundred percent towards this effort, but we want you to, you know, pop in text, email, keep the things managing the account without traveling. Cause that's the thing I hated about my job was traveling. And so, you know, I'm not asking you to travel. And so they continued to pay me <laughs> for the first couple months of opening the business, which was nice because I didn't have a paycheck. I was the only employee. There was zero revenue. There was no business really. And, you know, I had to build it, but that was short lived. And, uh, you know, two years down the road, I had to tell my wife, we're not successful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, you know, obviously we're not, we have not replaced, we're, you know, we're successful in that we got revenue coming in and I've got employees now and we're, we're doing business but I have not replaced what we gave up. And that wasn't going to be till about year three before I could come close to replacing what we gave up three to four. And so I'll tell you that my wife's, um, her belief in me, it opened my eyes beyond what I thought that she held for me. (laughs) Not to say that she has a bad opinion of me, but there was a time and it was about two and a half years into her. I'm just like, honey, the bank account, the business bank account it's getting down and payroll comes at you in this industry, which is pretty much just labor. Payroll comes at you like a freight train. And I'm like, I'm getting really uncomfortable with you know, our cash flow. And, and I don't know if we need to look at other things. I don't know if we need to look at a, a second mortgage or if we need to go steal some money from, from retirement, from 401k monies. Um, and she said, Andy, I'm, I knew when we walked down this path two years ago, we, we made our decision. I'm not looking back. And if we are going to move in, if we're going to sell the home, I am ready to do that. In fact, I kind of think that's what is going to happen. So I'm surprised we haven't had to sell the home yet. When she said that to me, it was kind of like a pivotal point of like, okay, all these worries that I have about whether we're going to make it and, and, and what I'm going to be able to provide for my family. And I had a child in college at that point and one going the next year. It just kind of settled. And I, I knew that she was okay. 
Wow, an amazing story. And I love that you, the way you described that stage. Again, for you, it was kind of that uh, one to two plus, almost to the third year, the valley of despair stage. Because I really believe that if, and it's funny, you, you talked about your wife and just her support and how much, how valuable that was. Because my next question was going to be, and you already answered it, what people played a key role in helping you navigate that valley of despair. Because I know, at least in my own experience and those that I visited with who walked the path, there's always at least one and, and often multiple, and there's probably others as well, but there's multiple people that help you get through that, whether that's just a reminder of kind of the bigger picture or more the direct support of I'm, I'm in this with you, even if it means moving back into an apartment or you know, whatever it is, but that there's critical people around you. It's never a, a solo adventure in the truest sense that it's just you walking the path. No, you're right. And, and I'll tell you this, um, they're always good mentors. And sometimes you don't even know who they're going to be until you walk, you make your commitments and start to walk that new life of entrepreneurship. My story is a little probably, well, maybe unique, yet I think it's actually very applicable to a lot of people. So I stated already that I didn't leave the cushy career that I had, the security of that career until my mid to late 40s. And I can't actually, you know, look into my family and say, well, my dad, he was an entrepreneur and he did this or my uncle or I don't have those mentors that I can look to, even though they were those individuals were always influential to me, not in this area of my life. And so there was a lot of kind of feeling just a pioneer, like I'm a pioneer for my family in this area. And it wasn't my natural being like I did not sell candy on the playground and make my first million by the, by sixth grade or, <laughs> you know, run 10 paper outs and have 50 people flipping papers. Cause I was just such an entrepreneur. You know, that's just not me. Uh, nor do I know many people like that, but yet I know those are, those people exist and they, they open and start businesses and fail, you know, like changing your underwear, you know, it's, they just, that's in them. And then they, they're a part of that and we all envy them and we love the, appetite they have for risk and everything. I'm more like, we want, I want security. You know, I want to, I don't, I don't like all the risk. I mean, there's, I like the autonomy. I like some things obviously that most people would like about uh, business ownership, but the risk part wasn't just like common to me. And so uh, it was something I really had to overcome and deal with. And, and literally I did not sleep well for, for a couple of years, hmm. uh, just kind of the way it was. Well, again, I'm so appreciative of of just the way you've described that because I think often it's something that uh, the business owners don't talk about, other than with other peers, like in a vistage setting or you know whatever group you choose to be part of. Others that have walked that path, and there's absolutely power there in, in kind of commiserating or co-sharing. But I love that what you've shared in the broader context, especially that. Well, in particular, this latest comment about you being a pioneer for your family. I, I think the lesson there that uh, perhaps listeners can apply, even if they're not an entrepreneur or don't plan to be or want to be, is that you don't have to fit a certain mold. Again, you don't have to have uh, sold dum-dums on the playground or lemonade on the corner or (laughs) whatever in order to eventually be successful as an entrepreneur. You don't have to be a natural, like extrovert uh, type A personality to be a great leader. In our, you know, in this overall focus we have here on the podcast of leadership even if you never want to be a leader, you can be a great follower. You can be a great influencer to your peers. 
whatever each person listening chooses to be, whether that's present or future tense, uh, we can pursue that and grow into that. It doesn't have to fit a certain template, I guess, for, for success. I agree with you. And I'll just tell you, I see that actually. I am a pioneer more than for my family. It's my, it's my friends. It's a lot of people from the pharma industry that still call me, you know, eight, nine years later and just say, Andy, you're still doing this. Like I see you on LinkedIn or whatever. And, 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 you know, I, this is somebody that might be across the country, but yet we were on the same team for a couple of years and we had a, a relationship, um, not one that we kept close or anything, but now they're thinking, dang, I didn't think you would last this long. And here you are, you're still doing it. How do you do it? Like, is this something I could do? So we have those conversations. Uh, in fact, I consult people and, um, I'm finding that my story is, uh, you know, a, a guy in his mid 40s to late 40s saying, do I still want to work for corporate America, even though it's going to work out if I don't, uh, if, if I don't make any changes and just continue the path, it will work out. And uh, yet, am I fulfilled if I continue down the path? Or is there something that's more fulfilling and something more challenging? And so that appeals to a lot of people. Maybe it is midlife crisis. Instead of buying the sports car, you, 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 know, you, you walk away from your job and open a business. Nonetheless, I have these conversations like you and I are having with people that I randomly don't know. I'm at a graduation party because it's grad party this, this time of year. And, and I sit down and, and it's somebody that I know. And all of a sudden, he's like, tell me about how you got into your business. Same questions you're asking. And all of a sudden, there's this individual that, they want to know more. They're inspired. They, they're looking for something. I'll tell you that I even had a physician about two years ago who's a friend of mine. He's had a long career, successful career. You know, he put his 15 years of education and residency and fellowships and everything into his career so that he could then go be the professional he wants to be. And he's good at it. And unfortunately, kind of similar to my situation, a big, large national provider group came in and bought up his group and he became a part of this conglomerate of, you know, a big, big provider group and he lost autonomy and he lost things like the ability to schedule vacation when he wants to. Now he's got to put in his request at the start of the year and he may not get it. It doesn't sit well with him. Even to the point where he said, Andy, let's go to breakfast because I want to know what you're doing and maybe I want to do what you're doing. And I'm like, that's surprising. But he is displeased and he's looking for, really for him, it's autonomy. It's not money. It's not, you know, he loves his patients and he does well, but he doesn't like the lack of just control in his world that, that he expected to have. That's not there anymore. Yeah. I love your example in the sense that you're, you're willing to look outward and, and listen actively, I guess, kind of how I'm thinking of it, listen actively to those that are pondering similar changes or stuck in some way. Um, and you're able to, to share your experience as kind of a non-traditionalist, so to speak, and show them the path a little bit that is possible. And just be a listening ear, I think, is one of the most powerful things in a situation like with this physician friend that you, you just described. I've looked at all this and I'll just have to say that, that I don't feel like I have any special skills that have allowed our business to grow and become, you know, a, a part of our community, but I've got a lot of experiences. I know how I like to be treated and I've seen a variety of different management 
personalities and styles and types. And I've seen some successful and some that I don't think were successful. And there's a lot of fulfillment in being able to uh, say, I'm going to use all this and try to get it right myself. And, I, and I'm not always getting it right, but I'm willing to correct and learn. And, and that's, that's just a nice little challenge. It's a nice reward to manage people. And we've got a, we've got a lot of people that, that work for our company now. And to form a relationship with the majority of them, it's hard to, for me to form a relationship with all of them. But, um, but then to get to know them individually and see they got problems, a car breaks down, something happens where their life's disrupted and difficult. And to hear their stories and, and maybe consider is there something we can do to, to help them out as a company. And I just like those different challenges that I never would have had if I just would have stuck with what I was doing that I didn't realize I wanted to have. And I find a lot of joy in that. I believe we provide a great service in our community and I love providing solutions for the elderly population in our community and seeing that help them. But the whole other area of managing people and seeing them want to do their best or how we can help them become more successful has been eye-opening to me that I, that I enjoy that so much. Hmm. I love it. So well said. I, I, I'm thinking now about kind of the application piece of how do we take uh, one main principle from what we've discussed for almost the last 30 minutes and present it as an action challenge uh, to the listening audience as something they can grab hold of and go and apply and know what listeners, I don't mean you should quit your job and go start a company necessarily, <laughs> right? But like, what is something in there that, uh, that you would recommend, I guess, that you would present as an action item? Well, I would say that I have become more comfortable with risk since the initial big challenge that I, that I took on to the point that um, I embrace change. I embrace difficult situations to try and find solutions to them. And, and that can apply throughout your life, throughout your career, you know, your own family and where you want, what you want your family to be. And I always believe that this, you know, American dream of you can have the life you want. And my dad used to always say, it's funny. He, he would say, um, I would tell him, golly, I sure would like to have a motorcycle. My friend's got a dirt bike and I want one too. And my dad would say, you should have a dirt bike, Andy. I think that's a fantastic thing. Wouldn't that be great to have a dirt bike? I'm like, yeah, my dad's going to buy me a dirt bike. This is awesome. I, I don't know how I got this, you know? And then he'd say, set a goal. That'd be great. If you set that goal, you can have a dirt bike. And then I, you know, I'd be like, oh, golly, do I want to set that goal? But he inspired me to want to set the goal. So maybe, you know, I should. And so I would say that, you know, throughout life, maybe, uh, what I get from this is, and I can't say like I set this goal at this time that I wanted to be a business owner and it all, you know, happened in, in, in the proper order. I was setting goals all along and I was willing to say that things can be better or more um, fulfilling is a word that I used a lot already in this, in this uh, podcast that I really feel I, I really have that experience. And so I, I believe in exploring you know, your life and trying to see, is there a way for you to get more fulfillment and set the right type of goals and expectations and, and reach, reach for things. Maybe that's a, a theme. 
I love that. And I agree. It's a powerful theme. And if we had to distill it down to one word, I think you just said it. I think it's reach. Reach beyond what you know, where you are, reach into your current risk tolerance and evaluate that. I mean, we could apply it in lots of different specific ways from what you've shared with us here in the last bit. But I'm grateful for that. That's a powerful idea and something that is highly actionable in the sense that there's something that uh, I think if the other thing I wrote down earlier that uh, just was inspired by what you shared is just that process of listening to the inner voice, so to speak, not to get too like woo woo, but, but just paying attention to how you feel and what you really want and whether there is some kind of stirring of, of a need for change and then reaching toward that in an appropriate way that again matches up with circumstances and ultimately your, ultimately your desire. And I think there's a lot of ways, of course, to achieve that, like not the only path toward that highest level of fulfillment equals the entrepreneurial journey necessarily. Certainly it can get there, but it comes with that valley of despair <laughs> as part of the equation in every situation I'm aware of. Uh, so you have to be willing to go through that if that's indeed the path. But there are other ways uh, to do that as well. It could be through more mentoring relationships. It could be through a volunteer. It could be, you know, whatever, uh, writing a book. I mean, there's just so many different ways to, to find that level of fulfillment. But I'm so grateful for what you've shared uh, just in your journey. And the, the, there's so many principles that are embedded that I'm confident our listeners will be able to grab hold of and find a a wise way to implement in their own lives. So, uh, so thank you. I, I, last of all, how can people get connected with you and the work that your organization is doing? Uh, LinkedIn is, is a great way to search for love in home senior care or specifically myself, Andy Niska. And uh, if you listen to this podcast and you'd like to start up a conversation beyond um, even email, reach out to me and let's, let's connect and, and set up some time to, talk. Like I said, I, I've mentored a number of people even across the country in uh, their interest in the home care industry, and I'm an open book there. And so feel willing if you've listened to this podcast and feel like you connected to, to reach out. That might be the easiest way. I mean, I can give you my email and phone numbers and all that, but just LinkedIn's a great way to find me. Okay, excellent. We'll make sure to put your profile in the notes and if there's anything else specific you want us to share in the show notes to make it easy for people to contact, uh, make connection or contact with you, then happy to do that too. So again, uh, you're so generous in sharing your time and wisdom with us. Uh, thanks, Andy, and uh, really just grateful for what you've shared. Certainly, Spencer, and thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Exploring Leadership Show. To receive a free company health assessment that clarifies your company's greatest strengths and biggest opportunities to improve, visit warriorslead.com. We'll see you next time.